What's up? Are you legit Irish and honorary Irish folks out there in the whiskey-soaked hinterlands? We hope y'all are wearing green on this day of days. Or, at the very least, drinking green beer. At the very least. But green beer, in my opinion, should only be drunk if it's free. Word. Now is the time for a nice Guinness. Delicious. Or some nice Irish whiskey. You ain't lying, Max. Maybe a Donnybrook or two. A Sunday regatta, mayhaps. You're digging into Irish stereotypes, right? <laughs> Fred, carefully. I tread where I please, Maxie. Man, our Irish listeners know we loves them. Heck, we've gone over some superstars of Irish folklore in our Leprechauns and Banshee episodes. Represent. Two different episodes, y'all. Just FYI. Go check them out. Classics. Those were good episodes indeed. Faux show, Max. So what are we talking about today, Rock? As we alluded to, we've covered that Harbinger of Doom, the Banshee, as well as a reclusive fairy shoemaker, the Leprechaun. He's a tricksy one. So I figured on this bonus episode, we could discuss another of our favorite Irish mythical beings. Sounds good. So let's turn on the virtual fire, pop open those real cans of Guinness, and have a drink for friendship's sake, shall we? Slancha. Slancha. Nice. So what are we talking about? Mm. Uh, that was good. Let's talk about the puka. Ah, good choice. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So let's begin. Introduce our listeners to the puka, Rock. Man, this guy's a character, y'all. Let's look into his name first. Scholars posit his name is derived from the Old Norse word puki, which meant nature spirit. That said, I personally subscribe more to the theory that his name comes from pok, the old Irish word for male goat, which is a form that puka takes quite often. That makes sense. So he's a shape changer, and is he fey as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on both accounts, actually. He's something of a trickster spirit. Oh, we love us some tricksters here on Nightmares and Daydreams. Mm-hmm. We do. Coyote, Raven, Hare, Anansi, of course, the Spider God. And like all tricksters, he can be either friend or foe as far as his interactions with us mortals. Just kind of depends what side of the bed he wakes up on. Quite capricious is the puka. So... Either super helpful or... Or really harmful and possibly fatal. Luring people off the well-traveled track, getting them lost in bogs, swamps, torn up in brambles, that sort of thing. Man, that was a thing back in the day, getting lost, remember? <laughs> Our ancestors had no ranks and direction sense, apparently. <laughs> Max, Gen Z doesn't get your third edition D&D jokes. <laughs> but seriously, no joke, man. Fools were always getting lost back then. Also, we didn't have our smartphones to guide us to all of our destinations. Yep, we had these crazy things called maps. What's a map? Or, you see that big tree down yonder? <laughs> Go left when you get there. When you hear the beehive, turn right. If you pass a fat goat by a red fence, you've gone too far. <laughs> exactly. That's literally the way Definitely. it was back then, guys. Because that's the puka. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, you know, maps were always open to interpretation, especially if you didn't know how to read them. Dude, I don't know how we made it to Texas Renfest every year when we were younger. <laughs> we were some no-map-reading fools. Honestly, I was always pleasantly surprised when we arrived at good old Renfest. No joke. It was like, this gas station looks familiar. Okay, yeah, there's a guy in chainmail. We're totally on the right track. Just in time for our 10 a.m. Guinness. Exactly. Some traditions never die. All right, <laughs> so let's get into some of the forms that the puka likes to take. All right, you've already said goat, so... Just like a regular old goat? Well, think Black Phillip from your favorite horror movie, The Bavitch. Nice. And then you're on the right track, but maybe a little bigger. Dang, that's one big goat. 
And for the extra horror factor, I'd imagine the Puka would probably go around walking on hind legs in goat form. You know, just to <laughs> scar people for life. Mr. Tumnus strikes again. Okay, so if you see a fawn in a nice overcoat, Burberry scarf, and walking stick, you might be okay. That's probably Mr. Tumnus. You see an upright bipedal he-goat with glowing eyes and giant horns? Hmm. Yeah, it might be time to run the other way. Unless you're that 20th level paladin. Activate Smite Evil! Smite Evil. Well, that might be a bit problematic. Why is that? Smite Evil never fails, Rock. Because Pukas aren't wholly evil. Remember the trickster uh, archetype. He loves to have a good time and does as much good as harm. Damn it, foiled again. Ah, you're right. Uh-huh. So, what are some of the other shapes that Puka takes? Yeah, you paladins think you know everything. Yeah, we know nothing. All right. According to the lore, he can be invisible as well as being able to take the forms of people, men or women. He also turns into donkeys, cats, dogs, ravens, wolves, and hares. And beside the goat, two other especially favorite forms of the puka are horses and eagles. Does he combine the horse and eagle shapes to take the form of a hippogriff? <laughs> like, you know, I guess that would save him time combining those two forms into one, I guess. Oh, Wonder Twins and stuff? I doubt many of our loyal listeners have ever even heard of the Wonder Twins, Maxie. Well, I mean, hey... We all grew up watching Super Friends, right, listeners? Saturday morning cartoons. They know who the Wonder Twins are. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't even know what Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> are. But Zan and Jane do rock. But let's stay on track. We've beer to drink and pukas to unravel. Okay, cool. So we're not sure about the hippogriff thing, then. You know, it doesn't say really. You know, Pukas could be the origin of the Hippogriff. Damn, look at us solving mm. mysteries right off the bat. <laughs> How we roll. You're welcome, y'all. Hippogriff origin solved. It wasn't the Greeks. It was the Irish. Yep, we knew it all the time. Solid theory, Inspector Holmes. Now, let's hit on some other aspects of the Puka. Lead on. Well, November is kind of considered his month. Dang, he has his own month? Roughly. Okay, so November 1st was considered Puka's Day, and it was the one day of the year you could count on him to be cordial and answer any questions you might have. He could tell the future and offer sage advice to those who sought him out, and people would leave offerings for him. And this was practiced until St. Patrick rolled into Ireland, kicking out all the snakes and demons and whatnot. Damn it, Patrick. Mm-hmm. No, but seriously, that's pretty sweet. Was there some association between the Puka and Spirits of the Dead? Because... That's the same time of year we leave the offerings on the old ofrenda and tend the graves of our loved ones, right? Well, yeah, but you're jumping just a little bit ahead. The next story will kind of help answer that question. Okay, dang. Shut down. We got to do things in an orderly manner, Maxie. Quit rushing, son. <laughs> All right, so what else did he do in his month? Well, then, on November 2nd, he relapsed back into trickster mode and was said to either defecate or spit on all the blackberries, ruining them and making them poisonous. See, now that's the puka I know and love. Mm-hmm, so was sad. He was also actually said to befoul blackberries on Michaelmas, which is September 29th. He's just running all over the damn country, ruining all the damn blackberries in Ireland. No blackberry jam, no blackberry jelly, no blackberry preserves. Those are all the same thing. Yeah, they're all delicious. Right. All right. Well, let's have that story that you told us about on the puka, as well as a drink of Guinness. Don't have to ask me twice. Absolutely, my man. Cheers. Cheers. 
Once, long ago in County Kildare, there was a fine manor house whose master was often out of the country on business. As is the way with servants, when the master's away, it's time to play. And so at times when the master was away, the servants would not keep as tidy a house as they would if the master was at home. Soon, it was as if the kitchen itself was angry at not being cleaned proper-like. The servants would hear pots and pans banging and dishes rattling in their cupboards. None had the courage to go and investigate the sounds, and so the haunting went on. One night, the servants stayed up late, telling stories of ghosts and fairies. A good time was had by all, but so long did the storytelling last that no one noticed the little scullery boy fast asleep in the hearth. No one had noticed him crawl in there to rest, and so no one woke him as they all went off to bed. Not long after the kitchen was silent and dark, the boy was awoken by the crash of pots and pans and the kitchen being turned about. Peeking out from his sleeping place, he saw a large black donkey eyeing the mess in the kitchen and shaking his large head. The boy was about to come out and lead the animal back to the barn when the beast spoke. Well, I might as well begin first as last. And with those words, the puka, for now the frightened scullery boy knew exactly who was in his kitchen, began the long chore of cleaning the kitchen. The boy lay as silent as a mouse, afraid that the puka would eat him entirely. If the creature cleaned the kitchen up as if the Lord Mayor himself was coming to dine, and then left as fast as he had arrived. Well, it was much to do the next morning when the scullery boy told his tale. Since the master was away, it was all they could talk about, and it was roundly agreed that since the puka would do the cleaning when they were asleep, why should they be working when they were awake? No, it would fall on the puka to take care of the entire household from now on. So said, so done. And the next day, not a servant lifted a broom to sweep or used a drop of water to clean. Off to bed they went, and the next morning the manor was the cleanest it had ever been. So clean the master could have had his dinner on the flagstones, and never had the servants been so happy. And now the scullery boy, who had lost his fear of the puka and was proud of his adventure, declared that he would stay up and have a chat with the beast. That night he waited by the fire and mustered his courage when the door flew open and the puka stepped in. Good evening, sir, said the boy politely. Good evening, replied the puka. He was not taking liberties, the boy said. Can I ask just who you are and why you're so kind as to do the day's work for us every night? I'll tell you unwillingly, said the puka. I was once a servant and a lazy rogue was I. I served your master's father and never did I do an honest day's work. So when my time on this earth was over, this was my punishment, to come here and do all the labor every night, and then go out and sleep in the cold. It's not so bad during fine weather, but if you knew what it was like to stand with your head between your legs facing the storm on a bleak winter night. The scullery boy couldn't believe his ears at the injustice. Is there nothing we can do for you, my poor fellow? Well, said the puka, a good quilted coat might help to keep the life in me on those long, cold nights. The scullery boy rose. What sort of ungrateful people would we be if we didn't get you that coat? And so the very next night, the scullery boy stayed up again to give the puka a fine, warm horse's coat. The creature was delighted at the gift and walked up to the glass to see how he looked. Well, said he at last, I have a long road tonight and so I must be off. I am much obliged to you and your fellow servants. You have made me happy at last. Good night to you. As the puka was walking out, the boy cried, Wait! 
Sure you're going too soon. What about the washing and sweeping? The Puka laughed. You may tell the others now it's their turn. My punishment was to last until I was thought worthy of a gift for the way I'd done my duty. My thanks for the coat. And now you see me no more. And no more they did. And right sorry were they for having been in such a hurry to reward the Puka. Obviously, that scullery boy didn't read his lore. Amateur move, baby. Last thing you want to do is reward any fey being that is doing your housework. With clothes, not food. They like their right. food, but you get them a set of jeans and they are out. Or a sock. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We can reward them with food, but not clothing. Remember when Dobby got his sock? Hell yeah, I do. Lucius Malfoy got blasted. Lucius Malfoy liked to get dealt with. Dobby was a straight gangster, Max. Word on that, we miss him. So yeah, as soon as the Puga got his new coat, he was out. He was done doing the dishes and sweeping the floors. Seems like my guess on the association with the dead was somewhat on the mark though, right? Yup, indeed. And as we've seen before, there is a long tradition in the Celtic cultures of overlapping the realms of Fae and the dead. Definitely, the other world was the other world. Sometimes, but not always. Right. Okay, so on a separate note, kind of like the Kelpie in our Five Minutes of Folklore, I came uh -huh. across many tales of the puka leading people on wild rides. Like Mr. Toad? <laughs> Pretty much. So the puka <laughs> is in straight, regal, beautiful horse form, right? Right, right. And he entices people, usually men, to ride him. Hmm. And when they do, the puka takes off and the person is stuck on their back. I mean, that sounds like it could be a little fun. Wow. So, number one, the ride can last all night. It's kind of like those dancing shoes. No, it's, it's a curse, yeah. yeah. Number two, the person is stuck to the puka's back. And three... It's bad to be stuck anywhere. Hey, you know, it could be stuck under his hooves, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's worse. Three, the terrain he takes you over is full of brambles, mud, just really out-of-the-way places. Gotcha. So it's not like a pleasant ride with a carriage and pair in the country on a beautiful Sunday. Not at all. And of course, the puka is talking noise to the terrified rider the entire time. Yo mama jokes, whatever. That could suck, man, because the fae always seem to know what's going on with any person they encounter. Like they know their name, what they do, where they're from, what they're thinking. Exactly. Like the Puka's like, oh, oh, there goes Max, the guy who's not training hard enough for his upcoming race, but still has thoughts of placing in his age division. The poor fool. That's what he would say if you met him. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I just got to say that specific Puka needs to mind his business. <laughs> and, you know, there's no way to stop the Puka from taking you on such wild rides. There's a way. Oh, there is actually yeah. a way to stop the Puka from taking you on such wild rides. So there are many variations of this story, but the gist is the puka is taking a guy on a ride each night. And each night he gets weaker from lack of sleep. Oh, that sucks. And so finally, the guy tells his boss, the farmer or whatever, mm -hmm. and the farmer gives him spurs. Ooh, spurs. That's gonna hurt. Exactly. And so the puka comes back, the lad gives him the spurs, and the puka dumps him off right quick. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, especially iron spurs. Mm -hmm. And the guy does it again each time the puka comes for him until finally the puka leaves the guy alone because the sharp things, as puka calls the spurs, 
are just too much for him. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. And, you know, I wonder if the cold iron that the Spurs might have been made of figure into it. Yeah, you know, Faye beings don't like cold iron. Seems plausible. Still, man, you know, you got to love the trickster aspect. I mean, yeah, unless you're the rider. <laughs> True. All right. What else you got for us? How about another puka story? Tell it like it is, my man. The puka? Puka seems essentially an animal spirit. Some derive his name from Puck, he goat, and speculative persons consider him the forefather of Shakespeare's Puck. On solitary mountains and among old ruins he lives, grown monstrous with much solitude, and is of the race of nightmare. In one story called Machnamichomerla, of uncertain authorship, writes Mr. Douglas Hyde, we read that out of a certain hill in Leinster, there used to emerge, as far as his middle, a plump, terrible steed, and speak in a human's voice to each person about November Day, and he was accustomed to give intelligent and proper answer to such as consulted him concerning all that would befall them until the November of next year. And the people used to leave gifts and presents on the hill until the coming of Patrick and the holy clergy. This tradition appears to be a cognate one with that of the puka. Yes, unless it's an agishka or water horse. For these, we are told, were common once and used to come out of the water to gallop on the sands and in the fields. And the people would often go between them and the marge and bridle them. And they would make the finest horses if only you could keep them away from the sight of water. But if they saw a glimpse of water, they would plunge in with their rider and tear him to pieces at the bottom. It being a November spirit, however, tells in favor of the puka, for November day is sacred to the puka. It is hard to realize that wild staring phantom grown sleek and civil. He has many shapes, is now a horse, now an ass, now a bull, now a goat, now an eagle. Like all spirits, he is only half in the world of form. WB8. You know, that's a big difference that Yates talked about there. What's that? The difference between the puka and the Ishka, the dreaded Celtic water horse. The puka will take you for a wild ride, laugh at you, and dump you off somewhere. The Ishka will take you for a ride and then plunge into a lake to eat you entirely. Yeah, what's the St. Paddy's Day lesson in all this, y'all? What's that? Don't go mounting strange horses, people. Don't go mounting strange anything, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you feel me, Maxie? I do indeed. Well, with that, we are done, y'all. Thanks for hanging with us during this time of shamrocks and shenanigans. If we could take your mind off the troubles of the outside world just for a bit, then our mission is accomplished. And if y'all like what we do here at Nightmares and Daydreams, please share our podcast, y'all. That, hands down, is the best way to get us out there. Not to mention, leaving a review on your favorite podcatcher helps us as well. Yup, grant us that boon of that five-star review. Also, don't forget to head on over to buymeacoffee.com for an invigorating one-time donation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Search Nightmares Podcast to support your boys. We really appreciate it. 
I'm usually drinking coffee now, but since it's St. Patrick's Day, I'm drinking Guinness. We also have that Patreon page up, gang. Patreon.com forward slash Nightmares Podcast. Exclusive content there, y'all. Check us out. Start at a buck a month for a shout out, and y'all can cancel anytime. The best bard in the business, Teresa Joy, gives us that sweet sound so many of you have commented on. Find and follow her mm-hmm. at Viobright on Facebook and Instagram. And check out her own website at TeresaJoyMusic.com. You'll be glad you did. So will. Finally, gang, hit us up on our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net and holler at your boys. You know we'd love to hear from y'all. Yes. And keep the listeners' tales coming in, y'all. We're loving them. Please do. Those are going to be a great episode. Maybe more than one episode if we get enough. Multiple episodes. Agreed. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, ladies and gents, happy St. Patrick's Day. And as always, be good to each other. And... Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.